Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The But that that first part, that first clause, that reality that the wages of sin is death. Sin, and we're going to talk a lot about sin because I feel like that's important to truly understand. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sin. To really appreciate the story that occurs in, in this passage. Sin is anytime... We, we decide against God. We, we vote against Him. We come across something we know is, uh, is, is, is God has said, this is wrong, do not do it, do not cross this line. And we decide, you know what, God, I'm going to do this anyway because this is what I want to do. And the consequences are <clears throat> the constant, the eventual consequence is death. There's a lot of pain and suffering to that point, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. God has the ultimate authority; He's a sovereign of the universe. And, and if He decided uh, that that none of us would ever wear red, Completely arbitrary. If he decided to employ our arbitrary rules and guidelines for us, he would have the right to do so. But I don't think God works that way because none of God's rules I see as arbitrary. It's like all of them either harm us and or harm those around us in some way. It goes against God's intended design of things. So don't do this. And so many um, ignore God, and I said, as I said, decide against Him. I'm going to do. I'm going to exercise my free will that God has given me, and I'm going to do what I want, anyways, and live a life according to how I please, anyways. And we see the tragedy and eventual death of all those who who go that route. And and last year was the most. Blatant example of that when I got called as a chaplain to an accident scene. Where this truck had, had, had hit another vehicle and, and hit so hard that the, the engine was ripped out of the truck. Completely ripped out. And, and of course I found out that it was, it was an older man and his adult son that were in the truck, and neither one of them survived. And as they investigated, they found out that the older man was driving, and, and someone cut him off or something, did something he didn't like, and, and he got mad, and he started racing down the street at a terrific speed, lost control of the truck, 
and hit someone else and launched. He, he lost his temper. He sinned against God. That's an, lost his temper. And out of rage, just reacted and launched him and his, son, and his son into eternity, ready or not. And I had to go comfort a grieving widow. It was coming to terms with the fact that her husband was not coming home. And she was crying and tears streaming down her face and and, and she's crying, why, why? Sin is death. Sin always leads a tragedy. Sin is, we have a sin problem. I, I, it's almost an understatement just to say that, isn't it? We have a sin problem in our country, in our society. It's rampant everywhere. It, every area, every possible way to sin that maybe used to be illegal is now being legalized and promoted and you know, marijuana, just, I think they already passed, if not, they're about to pass the law saying that uh, recreational marijuana is going to be illegal in New Mexico, like it is in Colorado and more and more states. You know what I see that's so, so insidious about that stuff? As people who smoke it don't care. They hardly care about their own life, let alone care about their, care about their souls. I know a man that, that for years I've tried to talk to him about God, tried to reach him, and he just seemed so careless. He didn't care. He finally admitted to me that for years he's pretty much always been high. I never noticed it until our last interaction. But he's pretty much always been high. And so he doesn't care. And so what better tool the devil to use than get an entire country to not care about their souls. Not care about being accountable to God. Not care about the reality of their lostness. We see uh, abortion being promoted and legal, this legalized, but promoted and encouraged and to the point where we have videos of, of a, a New York um, legislative body Standing up and applauding and shouting with joy over the fact that they just made just made infanticide or infanticide legal. Sin is so rampant. Sin is so rampant. <clears throat> There's this 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 huge push to. You know, first it was tolerance. Those with values, biblical that need to be tolerant of those without them. Well, then now they flipped it around to where those without them are not tolerant at those with that biblical values. We're labeled as bigots and, and, uh, and lots of other names. Racist. 
That seems to apply to a, about anything if, if, you, if you hold to any biblical values. Feminizing of men, the, the destruction of, of our biblical values, destruction of our family unit. And, and, and oh, oh, throughout all of this, what I've seen, even in our churches, is this careless attitude towards sin. We, don't, we, we think of it way too lightly, as if it's not something serious. Bible has more than identifies more than 600 sins that God has said don't do this. I'm not going to read all 600 plus. But I thought it'd be worth our time just to kind of I uh, go through a few items. So we're all on the same page. I think it's, it's we, this this careless attitude sin because maybe we don't understand what sin is and what it does and how it hurts us. And 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 so let's let's look at this alphabetical order. Abortion. These are all things that are in the Bible as sin. Not abstaining from all appearance of evil. Adultery. Unjustified anger. And what that means, righteously justified. If someone cuts you off and you get mad at them, that's not justified. Ashamed of Jesus. Astrology. Speaking evil of people. Being bitter towards someone. Blasphemy. Not blessing those who curse or persecute you. Boasting. Lying. Breaking up homes. Accepting a bribe. Meddling. Putting the cares of this world before God. Not enduring God's chastening when God punishes you. Not, not, not putting up with that. Not spanking a, dis- a disobedient child. Or provoking your children to wrath. Or wearing clothing of the opposite sex. Or decorating your body with gold, pearls, or costly array. Disobeying God's commands. Not having compassion. Complaining. Complaining is a sin. Condemning. Holding contempt towards somebody. Not controlling your tongue. Pride. Cursing. Arguing. Be, uh, arguing can being contentious. 
desiring sinful ways, despising people, disobedient to parents. Getting drunk, getting high from drugs. Fortune telling, gambling. Forsaking God. Not fearing God. Trusting in man and not God. Trusting in your riches and not God. Gossiping, greed. And I'm halfway through. Just scanning. You notice a lot of those we see all the time, don't we? I feel like I do. All these, all these that, that. Sins that are mentioned in the Bible, more than 600 of them are there because they lead to death. For the wages of sin is death. I've been reading this book called Against God in Nature, The Doctrine of Sin. By Thomas McCall. It's a it's a wonderful, very deep book, but it's written to where even people who don't have degrees in theology can can understand and appreciate it. Which I like because I don't have a degree in theology. And he said a few things that I I I wanted to share with you regarding sin to fully understand this this deciding against God. He said that sin wreaks havoc on our relationships with God, one another, and the rest of creation. It is universal in human history and manifests itself in various cultural expressions. It wrecks human lives and leaves us broken and vulnerable. It leaves us needing grace and longing for redemption. The wicked man or woman is one who practices sin. They're a wicked person. It is part of their life. And the wicked man misses the mark because he chooses to aim at something different. Or misses the right path because he deliberately follows a wrong one. There's a deliverance to that. It wasn't an accident. Oops, God, I wanted to hit the target, but I miss it. Oops, God, I wanted to walk the right path, but I, I didn't walk on the right path. No, we know what's going on. God doesn't let us get tricked like that into sin. And it's held against us. Sin is a perversion that reaches and poisons everything. That's what people don't realize. So many people in our, in our communities, in our churches, so many people who call themselves Christians, and maybe even are sincere, you know, trying, 
uh, Lord, I want to follow after you. Maybe they're reading their Bible and, and they're coming to church and they're giving to church and, and, and they've stopped doing the really bad stuff. But they always have these pet sins. I just can't get rid of it. It's not that big a deal. But sin is a perversion that this, 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 when you use your free will to decide against God, it perverts everything and poisons everything. And, and by the way, sin is rebellion against a holy and sovereign God. It's telling God, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to decide what's best for me. I was telling Missy that people, I feel like people think of God as the nice guy down the street. That you talk to once in a while, you might wave to once in a while, and when you need something, he's always happy to help. That's really, that, people tre- seem to treat God like that. Like they're not actually accountable to him. God, I know you wanted me not to stop doing this or start doing this, but but I have my reasons. <clears throat> Sin is ultimately against God. And in this light, we can note that it often takes two characteristic forms that are closely related. One is rebellion, as I mentioned, and the other is unbelief. Rebellion is is seen very vividly in the Old Testament regarding idolatry. God continued to warn them, people of Israel, don't worship idols, don't worship idols. Come to me. And they just kept doing it over and over again. They kept going to the false gods of their neighbors and, 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 and the point where they were building their own uh, temples, high places for these false gods. God, I, I know what you said. I don't care. I'm going to do this instead. And that's rebellion. Unbelief is evidenced by complaining or grumbling, which we saw in the Old Testament. The old pe- the people of Israel, when they were out in the desert, and they didn't know where they were going to get their food, they didn't trust God, and so they complained. Oh, who is going to help us now? As if they didn't know who could help them. And then they, they began to wish for being back as slaves in Egypt. Well, at least we had no food to eat. Unbelief, not trusting God. <clears throat> The consequences or result of sin are utterly, utterly devastating. Sin wreaks havoc on the horizontal level, our relationships. Sin shatters families. It shatters communities. Devastates it. Again and again, we're told in no uncertain terms that sin places us under the wrath of God. That is not good to be under His wrath. 
His condemnation. Sin is deadly serious. Because God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows what's been going on in your life. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you've been up to. And no sin, sin escapes His notice. No sin escapes judgment. Numbers 32.23 in fact says, Be sure your sin will find you out. To follow Jesus, to do so wholeheartedly, it is to forsake the sins of one's own life. It is to be willing to pay whatever price is necessary. Indeed, to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus to the cross. And it's to take up our crosses as well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was um, a preacher in Germany, and during World War II, and when things were starting to look bad for the church, a lot of other preachers were leaving the country. And Dietrich didn't think he should, so he stayed there. And actually did some work as a spy for the Allies. Um, and he ended up dying. He ended up being killed. But he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. So no matter what, Lord, you, you want me to live, you want me to die, you want me to be hungry or full, successful or barely making it. I'm in your hands, Lord. Sin includes, of course, our actions. What we do is impacted by sin. It also affects our affections. So that what we love and desire is soiled, it's marred by sin. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is Conceived gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. But the work of Christ is not provided to us merely so that we can continue in our sinfulness while hoping to escape the consequences of it. Did you know that? No, the work of Christ makes it both possible and necessary to live lives of newness and holiness. God loves us and he has freed us from our sins. Revelation 1.5 says that. And finally in John 5.14 says, thus Jesus, then, thus Jesus offers forgiveness and healing with these words. Sin no more. Sin is a very serious thing we see. The violation of a known law of God, you know, and deciding against Him. 
going against him, using our free will to do something that God has told us not to do. And it affects everything, poisons everything, destroys so much. I am so heartbroken sometimes when I see the impact of sin in people's lives. The drama, all the drama, the fighting, the fractures, the, the, the pain, the suffering that takes place. That's all due to sin. And if people would just wake up and realize, okay, if I stop sinning, all this would go away. But they don't. They make excuses for it. It's somebody else's fault. We see people holding on to their pet sins. It's not that big a deal. Hey, it's not as bad as it was. I was doing much worse things before I got saved. Now I'm just doing little bad things. Or maybe you're maybe you're not like that person. Maybe you're like Isaiah who said, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Maybe you're like that man in the temple that beat his chest and cried and prayed, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, I have some good news for you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we're going to see that gift in action and some of the, the, the results of that in this parable. That was a 25-minute setup. <clears throat> but don't worry, the rest of this won't be that long. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. This is verse 36. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, invited him. What's interesting about that, that we don't get in the English translation, is that word invited, the the Greek word infers a repeated action. The Pharisee had been, been inviting Jesus. He'd been trying to get Jesus to come there. And we're going to see that the Pharisee kind of had ulterior motives. He wasn't Jesus' buddy. Let's make it that clear. Remember, the Pharisees just before this were trying to find ways to trip him up, trying to find ways to get him killed. And so, so this Pharisee clearly had ulterior motives, and uh, we're going to see more of that. Invite him to eat with him. He reclined at the table, verse 37, and a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil. Very expensive, by the way. She, she made a lot of money. A lot of, uh, I'm not sure exactly how they get it, but most Bible scholars uh, think that pre- pretty certain this woman was a prostitute. Wherever she did, she was, it was a clear sinner that the Pharisee was even disgusted with her, and, and she made some good money. Because uh, only your richer women would have these little uh, little jars, alabaster jars around their necks uh, um, with uh, expensive oil in them. Uh, verse 38, And stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them 
with the fragrant oil. What a scene. This woman is broken and just clearly very appreciative of Jesus. I Kissing uh, feet, by the way, that definitely was a customary practice. And, and it was a mark of affection and reverence. Um, you usually only kiss the feet of the people, most important people. Um, at Jesus' feet, where she was, we, we want to find ourselves. You know there's a lot we can find at Christ's feet. I, could, I know I could preach a whole sermon just on this, but I'll just kind of run through it real quick. Um, at Jesus' feet, where we must go to learn of his sufferings, to see his pierced feet, to know it, to know he suffered for us. We go there to find mercy, to obtain healing, as the, lion, the lame and blind men would throw themselves at Jesus' feet to find healing. Uh, we, we, we go there at his feet to find rest, such as the possessed man who was constantly tormented with demons, and they found him sitting quietly at Jesus' feet. We go there to find hope, to learn. We go there to learn, as Mary did when Martha was doing dishes or whatever she was doing. She was, Mary was with Jesus at his feet, learning. We go there to be comforted. Jesus, when, when, when he was comforting the disciples, he said, behold my feet. We find a comfort in the very uh, suffering that he went through. And we go to Jesus' feet to worship him and give him the due honor that he deserves for what he did for us. When I, verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. He did not, by the way, he did not believe that he was a prophet. Or he wouldn't have said that. So he didn't believe Jesus was actually a prophet. He invited him over to his house, right? Keep that in mind. But he, he doesn't think anything of this woman. and He's so disgusted with her, he couldn't believe that Jesus was letting her touch him. Verse 40, Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he said, say it. A creditor had two debtors. One owed... 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, denarii is a day's wage. So, uh, 500 days worth of wages and 50 days worth of wages. Verse 42, since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So, which of them will love him more? Verse 43, Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more.
And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. This woman is woman who had done great sins that people in the community were disgusted with her. She found forgiveness. Robert Falconer tells a story of his witnessing among destitute people in a certain city and, and of reading them this story of a woman who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears. While he was reading, he heard a loud sob and looked up at a young, thin girl whose face was disfigured by smallpox. After he spoke a few words of encouragement to her, he said, she said, will he ever come again? The one who forgave the woman. I have heard that he will come again. Will it be soon? Falconer replied after sobbing again, after sobbing again uncontrollingly. She says, sir, can't he wait for a little while? My hair ain't long enough to wipe his feet yet. Let me ask, do you have the same desire and attitude of gratitude for what the Lord has done for you? How much, how much has God forgiven you? How much do you love Him for it? And do you show it? How does your life show it? The Pharisee didn't show it too much, did he? Uh, verse uh, 44, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Of course he did, right? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but... She, with her tears, had washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Now, it's important to note that back then, when a guest came to your house, you would give them water to wash their feet with. It was also customary to kiss them with a greeting, which many cultures still practice. And it was customary back then to anoint their head with uh, some kind of oil, usually olive oil. But this Pharisee afforded Jesus none of those common courtesies. He did not see Jesus as a friend or anybody of respect at all. Verse 37, therefore I tell you, her sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. All those wonderful words. My sins are forgiven. I don't have to stay up at night wondering what it's gonna, you know, where am I going to go when, if, if I die, if I don't wake up. I don't have to feel the guilt and pain of, of, of the, the hurt, uh, the bad things I did, the wonderful, horrible, well, not wonderful, the terrible, horrible things I did. I'll be tormented with that because I know God has forgiven me. Those are words of release, words of, of rescue, words of, of rapturous joy. 
That's why people who get saved almost always have tears down their face. Because that reality, I've been forgiven, I've been set free, is so overwhelming and amazing. Verse 49, those who were at the table with him to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And there's a connection between her trust in Jesus and the peace that she's found. And it's still the same way today. If we put our trust in Christ, we find peace in him. Spurgeon noted that go in peace were definitely the right words to say to this baby Christian. There was some arguing going on, right, in that, in that house. A lot of murmuring going on. A lot of people whose hearts were not right with God. And she didn't need to be hanging out there. Didn't need to hear the bickering. If your heart troubles you today, whether you're in the service here or listening to the podcast, this moment, today is a day of salvation. This moment can be the moment that you just kneel down and make everything right with God. You can take care of it and you can start out in peace and face a new week, new day with God. Start, we started out with this, this terrible thing that's sin. This thing that wrecks us and destroys our relationship with God and each other. And, and causes us so much anguish and pain. And, and, but God made a way for us to be forgiven and freed from the chains of sin so we can live for Him in this life and the next. Amen? Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.